Well, let's talk about the party too, because you mm-hmm. know th- this has a and and that's sort of where like yeah. So you meet Eric, you guys escape from Heliodor, right? And that really where the this is really where the game sort of sort of enters into almost like it's it's. I don't want to call it trite, but it's like it's it's where it's just really leaning into the JRPG Dragon Quest Dragon Warrior tropes, right? This mm-hmm. is this is the the this first act is really all about gathering the party. Um, mm-hmm. So you start off with Eric, you know he you you meet him in the dungeon, you guys escape, you sort of you know you go on and you sort of through just sort of the narrative beats of the game, like you're, you're sort of being pursued. You like, you have to leave the, the, the continent that Heliodor is on. And so you sort mm-hmm. of have to, you, you run to this transport house and it zaps you over to this other continent. And, um, it's like, this, you know, cause, cause magic, you know, cause, um, <laughs> and, but you end up running into a town, um, and I can't remember, but you, you run into this town and you, you basically meet Serena and uh, she's looking for her sister, Veronica. And they've actually, they, they know who you are. And, and part of the, the, the whole story is like, so you're trying to, you're, you're the luminary, you're the hero, you're the protagonist, you're the destined one. You're trying to sort of like clear your name. You, and you uh, actually, just, sorry, not to interrupt, you actually meet Veronica first, then she's looking for Serena. Oh yeah. Veronica's, you know, Sure. Okay. Yeah. You yeah. So yeah, what, yeah, yeah. You meet Veronica, who has been basically she she when you first meet her, she seems like a very like a little girl. You actually find out that she's a a, a, a young lady who's been trapped in a child's body. Um, and then yeah, you go and you find her. You go look for her sister Serena. Yeah. Um, and they they were actually sent from their town to go. They they've been sent. Um, by Yggdrasil, the world tree, to go help the luminary reach Yggdrasil. Like, you know, but because magic and all of that, um, you, as you progress on to, you meet Silvando, who is a traveling entertainer, um, slash, well, he's just like, he's sort of a jestery type thing. You, you, you end up meeting Jade, um, the exiled princess of Heliodor. Um, and again, she just like when you first meet her, she's just sort of a she seems like a fighter, um, like a martial artist. And then she's accompanied by Rab, um, who you come to find out is the former king of Dundrasil, and he's actually the protagonist's grandfather. Um, and that mm-hmm. that moment, I'll tell you what, in the first act, that moment, like when you sort of find out who Jade, like, and Rab are, like the other three characters veronica serena and silvando they they're kind of like they just feel like i mean veronica and serena sort of are like well whatever i mean you've got veronica's uh magic like damage dealer uh serena's a healer and silvando's kind of like a bard so you have you know you have a nuker you have a healer and you have a buffer you know and and silvando's like fine for he's got some combat capability um you know full disclosure mm-hmm. he was not my favorite character <laughs> like i just i i thought he was like i didn't really like his character arc and i didn't really like hmm. i know some people really like him i just thought he was like i don't know he he had his redeeming qualities but i just thought i thought he was like the weakest character out of all of them 
um, mm-hmm. and that it just felt like his motivations were the silliest. And maybe that's just me being kind of a grump. Um, but he, uh, he, he wants to make the whole world, world smile, which is fine, I guess. Um, just some of the ways he goes about doing that. I, I don't know. I, and, and again, I know that some people are like super big on Silvano. I'm just not. Go ahead. Just so yeah, I really liked it what? as soon as it was pointed out to me that he basically sounds like a Tommy Wiseau, like European type character. And as soon as you start <laughs> hearing his voice and that like candor, it's just like, oh, oh hey, Mark. He says it's gold now. <laughs> oh, hi, Mark. <laughs> well, you're daring me apart, father. <laughs> Thanks, honey. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, the, yeah. Yeah. The, those parts. I uh, see. I played most of the game in Japanese. Um, cause I wanted to hear the Japanese voices. So, mm. uh, not, not di- dialogue. I read it in English, but I heard it. <laughs> I was like, I did too. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> and, and no, that's not, a- not that hardcore, but so anyways, well, didn't get uh, some of the, some of the things I didn't get that dialect until I switched it to English for a little bit. But anyways, what were you saying? Nick? Well, I was just going to say like the, and, and the cast is really charming. Like even Solvando, mm-hmm. right? They're, they're all very charming. They like, the hero is basically, he knows that he's an orphan or he was, you know, he finds out. And then when you find this connection that, you know, Jade, so in that opening sequence, right, where the little girl is running through the woods and she loses the baby into the river, that was Jade. And she, you know, and there's that moment where she's talking to you and, you know, when you guys return to the ruins of Dundrasil, because like, that's one of the things that like, it sort of explains a lot of the hero's backstory. It actually like adds like a bit of a, a tragic element and Rab having been, he's, he's the hero's grandfather and that they've spent the last 10, 15, 20 years looking for the hero. They've been looking for him. They've been sort of going mm-hmm. through the countryside and it's like, and so there's this very like, they, like that to me is the first, like th- that's really charged. You know what I'm saying? Like that's the the moment where it's like there's there's actually some real weight there, and even though you're just meeting these characters, I remember sort of in that moment just really kind of like rejoicing at the reunification of the family, even though there it comes because like the hero finds out like about who his mother and his father were. I mean, now they're dead, like you you know, but he knows he knows who they were, and now he's got like a connection to biological family as well as you, you know, Jade in a lot of ways is, is sort of like an adopted, like an, an adopted older sister in, in so many capacities. Mm-hmm. And so instead of just having friends, now he's got actually family joining him on the journey. And there was something about that, that I just, I remember sort of when we were, when I played through it, I really liked that. Um, like I said, and so, and even with, and again, sort of even talking about the, the characters, like Silvando just joins because he's like, I want to make the world smile. Like, you know, and he's sort of like, he can tell that something bad's coming and he can help. But like his motivations, again, so like even with Veronica and when you, when you go to find out about Veronica and Serena is that they, they sort of the community that they come from, they were sent explicitly to go help him. And so it's like, they feel the least like it almost feels like, and again, that's sort of what I was talking about where, where Servando joins the party almost like just because like, he's got like nothing better to do in a lot of ways. 
and his motivations feel mm-hmm. the weakest. So I'm going to sort of like keep moving on. So the, the whole goal here at this point in time, once you've assembled the party, is you have to go and collect these different orbs and you need these orbs so that you can reach, uh, which turns out that that red orb that you needed to recover with Eric, uh, that was the first sort of key in sort of a, assembling all these different orbs so that you can access Yggdrasil, the world tree. And that's where the the sort of light resides. And that is that is the luminary's um, you know, sacred weapon. And it, it's it's in Yggdrasil and it's being it's waiting there for you. And so the sort of this first half of the game is really just getting to Yggdrasil. And it's really ramping up. And it sort of feels like, and it, I think what's so brilliant about this is so you go through all this stuff, right? And you get to Yggdrasil and it really does feel almost like the culmination of the game, right? Mm-hmm. It almost feels like you could have just made a whole nother game where the hero gets the sword and they go and defeat the, and that would have been a, a fairly robust adventure. Like it would have been fairly charming and like even sort of with all the ups and downs that you had sort of, um, because like at the, you go through and you, you sort of experience all sorts of stuff. Like you go and find out that the King of Heliodor has raised cobblestone, the, the hero's childhood home to the ground. And apparently it mm-hmm. seemingly has slaughtered everyone in that town. Like you go back to it at one point in time and it's a ghost town. All the buildings have been destroyed. Um, you know, and there's like, you, you sort of like, and so you, 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 the, the party sort of has, has gathered and you go to Yggdrasil and you get to the, the sword of destiny, the, the sword of light, this, this, the sacred weapon. And it turns out that, uh, well, there are these two knights of Heliodor. Um, is it Henrik and Jasper? Uh, like, let me look at my, notes yes. here. I know Jasper's the one cause Jasper sucks. Um, but yeah, Jasper <laughs> and Hendrik have sort of been pursuing the hero and his party throughout the entire of this. And like the different towns that you come across, right. You, you sort of hit these different towns and all the problems that the hero and his party sort of are coming across for the most part. Well, there's the one where it's the Sultan basically is the cause of the problems and his, his poor, his not raising his son to be much of a prince and anyways, but that's Galliopolis. Um, but mm. you know, before we go further, do you guys want to talk about any of these set pieces in this first act? Like, you know, we, we have the, all the different towns that we sort of hit, like, you know, Galliopolis, there's the, the, the hot springs town. I, the name is evading me. You, you hit the ruined of city of Dunder, Dundersill, you go to Octagonia, the town that's all about like the mixed martial arts. I, you know, there's just a lot of really cool set pieces. Do you guys want to stop and talk about any of those for a few minutes or a, a couple that, that stand out to me? And I just, just a couple notes. Um, I thought the, so I mentioned it earlier, you know, where you go in the painting, I thought that was like darker than I expected about some of the stuff that was happening there. Um, so that, that kind of caught me by surprise, like, oh, okay, this isn't afraid to go to just a bit, not, not overly dark, just like some, okay. Okay. Well, Uh, let's talk about that. Let's talk about it. You go to this, uh, in your adventures, you sort of hit this town called Phenomena. Uh, and it's, uh, like P H N A M 
and then mm. N-A-N-G-H or something like it's it's like got a very like almost like Vietnamese kind of like flavor mm-hmm. um to the to, to the name. And it's just the the town is sort of built around it's a, it's basically a tourist economy, and they have this yeah. mur- mural that you go and visit this mural, and this mural sort of blesses you, gives you good luck, and it just keeps bringing people into the town, and the town is very prosperous because it's again it's a tourist economy. Well, you get mm-hmm. there, and you you meet a little girl, and she says she can't f- like find her parents or something like that or she's lost uh, yeah her parents and she can't find them and they went down to the 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 mural and she she can't she can't find them well turns out you go down to the mural looking for the parents and the mural is actually sort of like a trap and you end up getting sucked into another like a parallel dimension, a pocket dimension kind of thing with a bunch of other people. And it turns out the little girl all along was actually sort of a villain, a monster of sorts, a, a, a servant of the dark one. Mm-hmm. And uh, she in, w- in the lost people too, like show up on the mural. So, yeah. so you go to see it, you go to look at the mural and you you like recognize someone there. And so it's just like, Oh, this is, like this is kind of creepy yeah. and again like not overly dark but still just like whoa man well it turns out this mural again is is a bit of a trap and this little girl mm-hmm. so you'll either be enticed into the room with the promise of riches which at that point in time like you know you get sucked in this dimension and this this monster sort of feeds on them or, you know, drains them of their life force or their energy or whatever and traps them in this mural. Um, or it uses the little girl to sort of coax you down there. So it, it either appeals to the darkness in your heart or to the charity. It either appeals basically to your right. greed or your selflessness. Um, you're, you're sort of, so it appeals to vice or virtue and it traps them all. So you get sucked in this pocket dimension and you end up fighting basically – and and Josh, got to trap them all. Josh alluded to this earlier, but the you end up fighting against the this monster called Dora and Gray, which is a play on Dorian Gray. And there's so many like puns and goofy. What? That that was the other thing that I was going to say. There was one more vignette, but but the the one the mermaid vignette especially. There were so many puns throughout that that I thought were just. Well, the mermaid rhymes good. in like everything right. she says yes. is like yeah. in in couplets or whatever, and it makes mm-hmm. me crazy. I, I <laughs> <that part>. Really? <laughs> no, I, I didn't oh, hate man. it. I was just like, I was like, it was like too cute by half, you know. But, but again, I'm really like, like haiku town, right? <laughs> the what? The haiku town. Oh, oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was intense. The mermaid's name was Shelly. That was the thing that got me. It because it took me a while, and then I'm like, oh. Uh, Shelly. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, yeah, and I think that's, that's sort of the the thing that's like so cute about like this game has a lot of charm and it's like it and mm-hmm. a lot of it is like it just does tend to be like a little too cute by half sometimes. So Wes, mm-hmm. I mean, did you have any like standout in this first like the, the opening, the first act? Was there any sort of like standout sort of moments for you? I mean, standout in particular, not really. I actually kind of feel like most of part one is fairly 
land. Like it, it plays on. Okay. Oh, there's my dog again. It plays on a lot of the similar things that previous Dragon Quest games have done. And you, you it's know, standard fare, yeah. This point. It's pretty standard fare. Kind of boring in some places, and I think that's probably that, that's probably the section that I just like. Okay, I start for a bit, and then I'm like, eh, I don't really feel like continuing. It just didn't really engage me in the same way. Dragon Quest Seven did something similar, where you're like traveling back and forth between different time zones for these different uh, towns. And I do mm-hmm. appreciate how like all the towns seem to have their own like specific type of culture. And if you're playing in English, they all have like very distinct like European accents based on like whatever area that's supposed to be represent- representing, especially mm-hmm. in the fact that a lot of these towns also have a lot of callbacks to classical literature. So you have <clears throat> obviously the mermaid one, which calls back to the little mermaid. You have the snow place, which calls back to the snow queen and all that. So, it's like I appreciate like the culture and language aspects that they put into it. But for the most part, mm-hmm. I, if I have to replay the game, this is going to be like the most boring part to me. So yeah. nothing really stands okay. out in particular. But I, I don't know. I guess I was just too anxious to get on with the game. So maybe I didn't appreciate it the first three times. So maybe a fourth time will help with that. <laughs> well, I, I think at the, the first run. It feel like yes, it feels very standard fare, but it's like very comfort. Josh, I think you used the, the phrase comfort food. It is very comfort foody. Dorian, um, you know, you have any thoughts that you want anything that you wanted to pause on, you know, just yeah. in regards to the first act. Yeah, I had I had fun with uh with when you're in Galapagos and uh you're dealing with Prince Ferris and his mm. uh cowardliness. Mm-hmm. You know, where he had he was ducking and dodging all his uh, night training classes and everything, and then you got to stand in for him. I think uh, part of part of the reason it was fun for me is because if you listen to like the English voice acting, it was kind of uh, I don't want to say bad. It was like so bad it was good type thing. <laughs> you know, it's like ha ha, yeah, you did it for me type thing. So it, it was a little humorous, and then. Um, uh, you know, and he got a little annoying, but it was still entertaining at the same time. So then by the time, uh, you know, when, when you're trying to obtain the orb and, um, you know, he wants you to uh, win the horse race for him. And then then he has to go out and kill the, uh, I can't remember what the creature was. Some monster that was, you know, terrorizing. It was like a uh, giant... Giant like scorpion a, looking thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, you know, you have to go out there and you know, he begs you and then you come back and everybody's praising you for praising him for his victory, and then you know, they, they drag the giant scorpion and then he, you know, back to the town that you know, all chained up and then he breaks the chains and then he's just like, Oh no, and in front of everybody and everybody's Ferris, get him yeah, and you know, and he finally mustered up the little bit of courage he had. You know, I, that, I was pretty entertained by that whole whole little story. And then uh, the other one that was kind of dark uh, when you get to uh, was it Octagona? Uh, Octagonia, yeah, yeah, Octagonia. Yes, yeah, yes. Uh, Vince. Um, you know, the guy that, mm-hmm. that kept winning the tournaments every year, and you know, he runs mm. the orphanage, and then you find out that. He's the one, like, he seemed like a genuinely nice guy. And yes. he still is to a, to a point. Uh, uh-huh. But, the, you know, it's kind of like you find out he's the one that, uh, you know, I guess all the children are disappearing. 
he's the one that's taking the, the kids down to this monster and suck their life force and this and the other. Yeah. And he says he's doing it for, uh, I, I think he was doing well, no, it. He's not, it's not kids that are disappearing. It's ran, like random people. The kids random. are safe because. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, random. He, people. Like That's- the kids in the orphanage are safe. It's like random, like just people sort of randomly disappear on the streets at night. And Vince is the one who's kidnapping them and he's feeding them to a monster because the monster gives them some like sort of like juice that makes them super powerful and unbeatable right. in, in the ring. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, that story was kind of dark, but the issue yeah. I had kind of with it at, you know, kind of in retrospect was. You know, you, you, you find out you find out he's doing this, you know, he explains to you why, and I believe you help him, you know, you defeat the monster and everything. But then even though he kind of I guess uh if I remember correctly, kind of confesses everything, mm-hmm. everyone's kind of still on his side, you know. They didn't really. There were really no consequences for him. Like, well, yeah, dude, but you know, you you made all these people disappear, and you know, yeah. so it was just kind of left like, okay, I mean, you know, yeah, you can that's it, and everybody's just okay and forgot about. Well, it's because he did it for the kids, Dorian. <laughs> like, listen, yeah, that makes it. He all did it okay. for the kids. <laughs> so think of the you, children. Think of the children. <laughs> so oh, yeah, those, those are yeah those are, no. No, those are those are pretty good story beats. But I, I think you know I do sort of agree with Wes's assessment, though, that the first act just feels kind of standard fare in a lot of ways, right? Uh, and so the game doesn't really get like I mean I think the game's good. Like up until that point, I was enjoying my time with it, but it was very comfort foody again. Um, but where the game gets really good is like, so you get, you know, and we sort of like pause there for a minute, but you get to Exorcel. The hero's about to grab the tree when all of a sudden Jasper, who has been a giant tool bag the entire time, shows up and shoots you with some dark energy. And then he has like some sort of like dark energy sort of field and you can't fight him. You can't do anything to him. Turns out Jasper is actually been a minion of the Dark Lord who, surprise, surprise, is actually turns out to be sort of having possessed the King of Heliodor. Um, so the King of Heliodor and his knights, Hanrik and Jasper, who have been chasing you, turns out they're kind of bad guys. Well, sort of, but we'll get there in a minute here. And so just when it seems like the hero is going to sort of enter in this triumphant moment, sort of, you know, redeem the land, sort of like, you know, sort of be the promised one, darkness swoops in and sort of ruins the day, right? And this whole moment, this whole scene in Idrisil, actually, what so what should have been like the the, the sort of the, the ascent, the moment of ascension becomes actually the moment where the game just sort of like goes... And this is really the part where, like I would say, it's they, for all intents and purposes, when you first encounter this moment, it seems like basically the party is destroyed and they've killed the hero. I, I, I was actually a little convinced that they were just going to like lean full and like, no, we've just pulled a chrono trigger and uh, we, we killed the, the main character, the MC. Um, but um so let's let's move on to what is like 
ostensibly the beginning of the second act where there's a series of vignettes and I'm not going to, you, you sort of, and in the definitive edition, apparently this is not in the, the echoes of an elusive age vanilla version. This is just in this, the, the DE or the S version of the game. Um, you go through these little vignettes and there's one with Salvando where he's, he's on his ship and he feels bad because all of his friends are like, you know, destroyed. And he's like, Oh, it's all over. And the world's in ruins. Like, you know, there's like, you know, the dark Lord has destroyed Yggdrasil and turned it, you know, and the, the, his, his house, his, his fortress of fear is hovering in the sky and everything's dark and gloomy and the world's sort of like monsters are running amok. And uh, Silvando's feeling bad for himself on his boat. And after talking to his uh, first mate, Dave, who apparently Dave is like a freaking legend, dude. Like uh, I was like listening to Into the Ether or Aether. They were talking about how like if you read the books, because you can read books throughout the game, like you can actually read like the hidden history of Dave. And he's like just mm-hmm. supposedly a freaking beast, which is super weird because he he's wearing basically like fetish gear and pink, um, you know. He's he's kind of a <laughs> and hanging out with Silvando <laughs> and hanging out with Silvando. Um, but so Silvando's solution is to basically start a parade, and you go back to this port town, and you basically you know and. It's just like, so Silvando does this whole parade and you sort of go back through some of the towns and you accrue followers and you've got a parade because he's going to bring back the, the smiles of the world. Um, and it was fine. That, that, that part was actually like, I was so just sort of like, it just felt like such a weird juxtaposition and kind of like, I was like, what are you doing here um that was a section of the game i wanted to get get through quickly it yeah. was just so like cringe the kids say nowadays you know yes uh you you find these you know these little boys and then they're basically turning them gay you know or feminine at the very least uh, mm-hmm. is, you know then uh, when you when you take control of the of the hero and uh, you know, I think who did I have in my party at the time? Yeah, I think all you could have was uh, Hendrick and uh, oh, wait, well, oh, dude, you ruined it. We were gonna like I'm, that was that's like the best moment of the second all, act, dude. Okay, fine, we're, we're already in spoiler territory, <laughs> just yeah, we're already in oh, yeah, I'm teasing, I'm teasing anyway, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think at one point. Everybody in your party had to dress up in, you know, all this flamboyant gear. And Mm -hmm. if you're the hero, you're just kind of walking around and doing this, you know, dance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you're wearing the little like peacock feather (laughs) outfit and stuff. The next. So there's another there's another vignette after Silvando's, right, Um, where you actually take control of Rab. And Rab is in this sort of like, he's ascended, he's in this temple and he's actually, it starts out and he's sort of like going through these like different memories and he's sort of confronted with this sort of, or well, these scenarios that seem a little weird. 
and he's confronted with this bunny girl figure, which that's sort of a hallmark of the the Dragon Quest games is uh, there's always bunny girls. Um, and Puff Puff. And Puff Puff, yes, which is an allusion to uh, something naughty. Um, but it always... I, I I I do kind of love the little puff puff things because it always like it's sort of like almost like a bit of a a rap on their knuckles because it's like it it's a you can tell that it's it's supposed to be naughty but then like when you follow through on those scenarios it's always just like basically kind of like turns it on a ear and kind of looks at you and says oh you know it's 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 way more innocent and charming than it actually like the one puff puff like the one of the hardest puff puffs to get um, is uh. She ties you up and then throws you over a cliff and you basically bungee into a bunch of clouds. And she's like, isn't that the most amazing puff puff you've ever had? Where it's like, you know, you, the, the puffiness from the clouds, I guess. It, yeah, exactly. Hmm. Um, but Dragon Qu- Quest is weird. It's, it's, well, you can tell that like, the target audience is a bunch of salary men at this point in time and teenage boys. Um, <laughs> but um, Rab's, Rab's sort of segment sort of runs you through all these scenarios and it turns out he's sort of in this dream sequence and he's talking to his his former like his martial arts master trainer to learn some sort of super secret technique you know in order to defeat the darkness because he assumes that the hero is dead as well and that's when the game cuts to basically you are playing a fish turns out the hero didn't die uh, the, the mermaid queen saved him by turning him into a fish and she's been hiding him in her underground, uh, or her not underground, her underwater ocean kingdom. And so mm-hmm. you go through this whole thing. She gives you a bunch of sort of like, she monologues a little bit, but not, and not evil monologue. And she sort of fills you in on everything that's been going wrong. And she says, Hey, you know, you know, okay. Now that you you've had time to recover, um, we got to get you back out there. Uh, you know, you 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 need to put an end to. You're you're going to have to reforge the sword of light, and uh, but you're going to have to basically defeat the the dark lord. You know, even though he's at this point in time assumed more more power, um, because there's this whole thing like with uh, Morgadon Mordagon, who was possessing. Um, the King of Carnelian has basically like, you know, sort of, I mentioned in, in passing earlier, it's like he's destroyed Yggdrasil, the, the, the life tree. And he's basically subverted all, all, and it just seems like he's going to like suck all the life and destroy all the people and, and, and just reign ca- like chaos and terror. And, um, but you got to go stop him. So act two is basically sort of this, and you go back through this act and you sort of, one of the first things after you've sort of, yeah, as the hero, you sort of, you, you get back onto to land and you make your way back to cobblestone because that's sort of the direction you've been given and on your way back to, to cobblestone and in, in non-spoiler kind of, uh, when you read like non-spoiler walkthroughs and stuff like they call him eight, but Henrik, the other knight of Heliodor actually ends up joining you. Um, and he's, He's the only character in the game who can use a shield. He's actually probably one of my favorite characters. Um, he's sort of, rec- and it's a, it's a bit of an uneasy alliance for a while. Um, but he ends up joining you and you guys sort of, you go, you know, the, the, the now unpossessed king uh, of Heliodor um, 
charges you with sort of basically, you know, do whatever it takes to, you know, throw back the darkness. And so you begin again. And this second act is like, and, and again, you're sort of like joining all the party, um, you know, bit by bit. Uh, Dorian, you you mentioned it. Yeah, there's like, so you, after you, you recruit Henrik, you recruit Rab. There's a city that the, the, the son of, uh, the oldest son of Dundrasil will go to. Uh, it's, uh, oh, it's uh, Angrela. Not Shangri-La, Angri-La, where it's a bunch of like Buddhist adjacent monks sort of live. And the the, the mm. crown prince of Dundrasil will go and train there. So you go there and that, then you get Rab. Um, you basically sort of bring him out of his catatonic coma thing like that. He got very thin. Um, but then so your party at that point in time is the hero, Hendrik, and Rab. And that's when you run into Silvando and his his parade of a band of merry men. That's, that's a very nice way of saying it. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And, but then the game just sort of becomes about sort of like there's the second act is where like, again, it's sort of like there's that big major twist and it subverts all the stuff, but then it sort of brings you back into it. And it sort of brings, it sort of really does a great job of fleshing out a lot of characters. Like, so you, you run into Eric, who through when you you play his vignette, he's sacrificed his memory in order to survive. Um, and you know when you run into him, he's sort of mindless. And then you find out his backstory, why he was in prison to begin with, um, and sort of sent on this path uh, that he was was because he had he had a sister, and she was they. On one of like, and they were sort of basically slaves to like these these Vikings who were sort of like these seafarers, and he found this sort of amulet that would turn things into gold, and his sister sort of became obsessed with it, and she actually started killing things. Like, there's a moment where she kills like a bird, and Eric's like, "Hey, that that's not cool. You just killed a a living creature. You're like, you're not turning." useless junk and trinkets in the gold you 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 took a life with this and when she goes to take off the necklace she gets turned into a statue of gold and then a sort of a mystical voice or presence speaks to him and tells him like hey you know actually sets him on the path that ends up you know says if you want redemption you need to find the luminary and sort of you know sort of sets him on his path and then you, you sort of, you just, you keep going through the game. And at that point in time, you know, well, you go back to Octagonia and Jade is, uh, she's been in trance. Like they all have their little vignettes and hers. I don't know. Like she got tricked into wearing like a bunny girl suit and she got brainwashed and Octagonia is now a casino or whatever. And you rescue her. It's, I don't know, like her, her vignette was the weakest out of all of them. But I guess the the one I sort of want to push through to is, so the last two party members that you end up picking up as you're sort of like going through and sort of reclaiming your party and sort of solving some of the problems that have have arisen is Serena and Veronica. And as you're sort of proceeding back to that that final town um, and sort of trying to figure out what the next step is, you, you come across Serena. And she's not with Veronica again um and so you 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 guys sort of welcome her back into the party 
and you you progress and you get back to this 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 town and you find like she serena can feel veronica she's like and you get to veronica's uh where veronica's hiding and it looks like she's sleeping behind this tree almost but she's not sleeping um veronica gave her life to save the rest of the party from the final attack of mortagon you know uh is there anything in the the second act that you guys wanted to sort of pause on while we're here um i mean i i'd agree with you i think the especially in the s version when it, it, that time in between act one and act two i guess where you get to play some stuff out um the part with Silvando was my least favorite part of the entire game. <laughs> it just, and, and especially after coming off of such a, a huge, like momentous, like end of act one, then you go immediately into that. And it's just like a real low point of just like, what, what, what is even going on? Like, what are we doing guys? <laughs> this is weird. Um, but anyways, I, I did think that his, I thought the stuff between him and his dad was endearing. That Although part was cool. Not, yeah. But that part was, was pretty sweet. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like not sweet, like in rad sweet, but like it was sweet as it was a little tender. It was, yeah. it was kind of like, you know, it yeah, was I mean, it a little overplayed or something, but you were going to say something Dorian. Sorry. Yeah. I think, I think we, we enjoy those kind of stories where it's like reconciliation of some of sorts. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, stories, those types of stories are always the kind that I like to see, you know, when there's two people at odds and then they kind of come together, which is another reason why I enjoyed uh, Hendrick. I kind of mm-hmm. look at Hendrick in one mm-hmm. sense as almost like, uh, like the Apostle Paul. He was hmm. persecuting and chasing after the hero and his band of, uh, mm. you know, dark spawns and you know, you guys are the evil ones and causing all this darkness. And then he eventually sees the light. And now he's, and in his own words, you know, I am your, your sword, your shield, your, your unwavering companion type thing. You know, So I yeah. thought that was, <clears throat> I thought that was really cool. Like, Hendrick does, is yeah. the real hero here. <laughs> so good. No, I think that's that's a really because like even Henrik was pursuing the hero and the hero's party because he really thought that you were Darkspawn. Right. Um, whereas it turns out that Jasper and uh, uh, Mortagon, you know, possessing King Carnelian or whatever, were they were they were the the bad actors, and so you know he's like. You know he trusts his friend and his king, and he's being led astray by bad actors. And then it's sort of like there's that moment of like repentance, where mm-hmm. he's like, or that moment of sort of like, no, he's like, I I recognize that my effort and my my I I recognize what I was doing was wrong, uh, even though I I thought I was pursuing what was right. And the, yeah, and he becomes like, yeah, I mean he was like he was always in my party, dude. Like yeah. I didn't need yes. him. Yeah. I didn't like, you know, but it was like him hero. And then who, like whoever else, like, I mean, Rab sort of dabbles as like a, a bit of a healer. So it was like, mm-hmm. but yeah, 
Yeah, I don't know. I the the second act is it, sort of that the the restoration of the party in so many ways, and then when you get to the the death of like the, that part where it culminates in the death of Veronica, I remember just like I think that was sort of like the second hammer blow for me, where it was like, holy yeah, crap! Like definitely. they yeah. went there, like it would like because like the party gets like destroyed, and there there is that moment where you're like, they're gonna like they're gonna like chrono trigger this bit this bit not the other thing i <laughs> i i did actually mean to say this bit and then I, I was just like i recognized how it was coming out of my mouth and i was like oh but yeah they, i was like they're gonna chrono trigger this they're gonna like they're gonna kill him and especially when it opens back up with you sort of having to play through um because you play through Sylvando's vignette and Rab's, and I think you play through Eric's first, and then you play through the heroes. And they, the way that they drop the hero in, like after, like you, I almost thought for a minute they were going to make you Sylvando the main character of the game for a second. Um, oh wow! I like, I yeah, sort of like, yeah. I, I had that thought too at first because you know it's just like okay, you're playing as Sylvando, and it's like. And you don't. Yeah, I think at this point you have no idea what happens. Uh, to- yeah. Well, and mm-hmm. he's the first vignette, and like that's like right. I said, the 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 order of the rest of them doesn't matter. But like, I was like, because yeah, you come back and you're playing out Silvando, and he has sort of like this thing where he like he almost acts like he's the main character, anyways. Like like he's sort of a bit of a drama queen, and it, like he he likes the attention. You know, you can tell yeah. um, that he's like the star of the show. I think he calls himself sometimes. Um, mm. And I was like, are they going to make me play as Silvando? Like, is, is he the new main character? And like, so I thought they were doing like a hard pivot. And then you started regaining some of the party. And then when you do get the hero back, I'm like, oh, okay. And then when it turns out that like what saved everybody was Veronica sacrificing her life for everyone. And they, they even sort of reveal moments where she knew that this was probably, it seems like she knew that this was at least a possibility. Um, and she actually withheld that information from Serena, um, you, you know, and there's sort of a, a very touching sort of exchange that happens between Serena and Veronica that they sort of, you know, flashback to. Um, mm-hmm. And then the way that Serena has to sort of move on. Uh, but there's, and, and there's just all sorts of cool stuff that they do in the second act, but like the, 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 the sort of the, the reuniting, but then like the, the re sort of almost invigorating the party, because as you go through sort of each one of these vignettes, you can unlock, um, for everybody, it's sort of like story beat stuff where you unlock a new skill tree. And this is sort of where mechanically, like it's, it's pretty standard fare, but like these ability trees actually sort of like get kind of interesting because Whereas Serena had just been a healer, she picks up Veronica's offensive magic, and now she's just yep. a mag- like a magic powerhouse. Um, Rab picks up a new skill, new set of skills, you know, uh, from his his master, from his master, his grandmaster, or whatever her title mm-hmm. was, and like you know, they all get these new skill trees. Like the hero at one point in time loses. Um, the luminary, like when we first lives, he loses the luminary because Mortagon stole the the like that's that's part of the whole thing. Like Mortagon stole the 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 luminary's power or mantle, and then 
used it to grab the sword and destroy everything. This sort of light, corrupt the sword of light and destroy everything. Yeah. I should have I should have led with that when we we're talking about going to Yggdrasil and everything goes wrong. Um, but sometimes my brain is a really uh, crazy place. Uh, but yeah, I just I, I I guess I like the second act because it is like the biggest subversion. And then when you get to Veronica, it is like I said, it's a bit of a hammer blow because like yeah, she was sort of like the the spit. Like she was like, she was a little bit of spit and vinegar and I appreciate mm-hmm. that about her, but she was also kind of like the heart of the party. Like she was like the kick in the pants that kept everybody going. She had a little bit of spunk, a little bit of fire to her. And in a lot of ways, like, she, like her passing really, and whereas Serena had sort of been very passive, all of a sudden Serena becomes more than herself. Like she's no longer sort of just Veronica's shadow. Or Veronica's twin, she's like her own character, and but yeah, you you basically sort of the the after the you you regather the party, it, it becomes basically you unlock basically the space whale, and you sort of go around, <laughs> and now you have to you have to get the ore to reforge the sort of light. You get this sort of you you see these clips, you get sort of exposed there's a whole thing there where you get exposed to this island and you see you can see clips of the original hero of light uh fighting you know the 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 calamity being thing and sort of the origin of mortagon and sort of like it's this game you know i i really think trying to do this in two and a half hours josh was was a absolute fool's errand uh at least for us because the more i'm thinking about this game dorian you talked about it when we first sort of like at the opening this game is sort of about time and like like the the like changing history and things like that because you you know sort of as you're playing through the game if you can play the first two acts and it feels like a very full game feels like a very oh, yes. complete game yes mm-hmm. yes like which is that- why which is why i initially called act three post-game content so like i rolled oh, yeah. The, yeah i rolled the credits after after uh, act two right like, yes I well, act three is game. post-game credit and yeah. you don't need to play it you don't need to play it to have a satisfying story and actually Perfect. if i'm being honest i actually think in some ways the and, and we'll sort of just jump into this here now. Like the way that it ends is like you reforge the sort of light and you and this new party sort of you ascend, you, you get your space whale and you get the ability to assault the, the, the fortress of fear that's flying through the air and basically destroy the dark Lord and his minions. You, I mean, you, you fight all the, all the rights are, you know, all the wrongs are righted in as much as like they can't go back or anything like that. But the game ends with Veronica still dead, the Dark Lord's defeated, and everybody's celebrating and the world's being rebuilt. But then, so let's talk about the third act. Let's talk about the post game because this is sort of, Mm -hmm. what happens is after you roll credits, you sort of have access to everything. Like you, you can actually just sort of like roll around the world a little bit and sort of everybody's partying and you can like visit the different towns and party with like people and stuff and sort of check in on people. And everybody's, again, they're sort of, they're in the process of rebuilding. 
but even in the party, there's sort of this note of like, man, like kind of like, you know, there's some cutscenes where it talks about like, you know, the loss because the loss of Veronica. Right. Well, it turns out there's this tower, the tower of time or whatever, tower of lost time. And if you go to it and you can sort of like, there's a little bit of like a, a, a golden trail. There's a little bit of, not a golden trail, but there's a, a series of, like there's a few things you have to do in order to be able to get to it. The, the, the tower of lost time, man. Like the, only the hero can do it, but you can go back to that moment and sort of rewrite the game. Um, and it, it changes a lot of things in a very surface way. But what it also does is it unlocks. So in the definitive edition, if you, there's all those, uh, what is that, that, uh, the time Talkington, if you do all the Talkington side quests, there's a sub boss that who, there's a secret boss there that you can fight and in fighting him, like basically you sort of end up fighting the real bosses again and then they unlocks an Uber boss and Yikes. it's, but yeah, it sort of rewrites, it basically rewrites the ending to give it a bit of a happier ending. So because, because you're able to go back to that point in time and you're actually given an item that will give you the ability to fight Jasper. And so you basically stop in that fight. You can depower Jasper's force field and Veronica doesn't die. And it changes the trajectory of a lot of things. And it just gives you, it basically, Hmm. it sort of gives you a happy ending, but not really. But what it also does is it sort of reveals, there's a lot of hidden history that is tied to the original hero of light the original luminary mm-hmm. um that yeah I, I the third act like the way i've described it though and and dorian it, it is just more dragon quest it is it's the it's the opportunity for you to put a happy ending sort of on the game instead of really sort of diving deep into the despair i mean you still sort of get there it's just the order is a little different. So yes. Dorian, I mean, would you ag- agree with that assessment or? Yeah, yeah, I would. I would. Um, I've, I've watched a uh, video earlier today on the timeline of the Dragon Quest games and how they seemingly, it's, it's really, it's kind of complicated, but not really. Well, not, let's just, it is, it is. And how Dragon Quest <laughs> Eleven is technically like the first first game in the series, the way it yeah. ties into. So I thought that was I I thought that was really cool. How I didn't play any of the previous Dragon Quest games, but I know like the first three is like the what they call it, the Erdwin trilogy and then the the, the, the yeah the the Erdrick trilogy or Erdrick, the, yeah the, Erdrick. yeah. So, so yeah, you're established as the Airdrick at this at this like, right. when you do all this the third act Uber boss. And so stuff. with the two with the two timelines, uh, at least you know according to what I watched here, as you leave things, you know as you finish the game toward the end of Act Two, before going off and creating a new timeline, that's pretty much uh, I'm probably getting it messed up, but. It's related to one of the trilogies, and the other timeline is related to 
the other trilogy. So I, yeah, it's yeah. it's it's crazy. Um, wow. But yeah, Dragon Quest Eleven is actually the it, when you look at the the total timeline of all of the dr- different Dragon Quest games, it is the earliest in the timeline. Mm-hmm. There is a story that takes place before that, but we don't have that game. Gotcha, gotcha. The, yeah, Dragon Quest Eleven alludes to that story, right? Which, which is why, which is why uh, I guess the game is called Echoes: Seven and Age. Mm. Um, mm. They get, you know, you can get the true ending. I guess if you're a Dragon Quest diehard Dragon Quest fan, uh, I guess the way that it ends is kind of like, oh, you know, type of, I didn't mm-hmm. get, I didn't, I didn't catch that. It had to be pointed out via video, but. Well, in the in the credits, it runs through all the different sort of. It runs through like a like. So the Talkington stuff is like has like these two or three little like like one shot adventure quest sort of things that you run through in each of the games prior to like so all ten games before this, and then yeah. And then, so you you sort of like fixing the time because that whole subquest is like the, the, there's and that that sort of puts you in the two D mode, but it's like sort of basically someone some dark force has been going and sort of like messing up the timelines for all these other adventures or whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, let's we we did i did throw some stuff out into the discord and on twitter and we did get a few responses so i thought you know it might not be a bad thing to like i like it when people respond to us and in lieu of a question i thought we would sort of respond to some of these answers to my question that i posed mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I, I basically said like, hey, we're going to be talking about Dragon Quest Eleven in an upcoming episode. What do you guys, you know, what do you guys think? And we got a good bit of traction in the Discord, and uh, you know, John sort of threw out a whole bunch of stuff as well, uh, and and you know, the, the various channels um, as well. But then you know, we had some friends on Twitter, uh, Mathman, Mathman ten twenty four on Twitter basically said, uh, he said that, uh, when he played it in 2020, uh, Dragon Quest 11 was his game of the year. And now, and, and he's, so maybe, maybe I'm the one who's in the wrong here, but he loved, he loves Silvando and, and he loves Veronica. Now I wholeheartedly agree with that assessment of Veronica. Uh, and Silvando did sort of like grow on me a little bit, but I just thought mm-hmm. like he was a little bit of like, he seemed like a little bit of a flake for a while. And I, that, that, like I said, that that intermission sort of that in in the second act, his little vignette, I just thought was like really weird and I didn't care for it. But um, he also wrote in here that he thought the crafting mechanic was much more rewarding and enjoyable compared to how it was in, in Dragon Quest Nine. I I don't have enough experience with Nine to sort of weigh in on. And uh, he said he had most characters at level 99 when he completed the third and final act. The one thing oh, I can wow. say is that I had all the characters at level 99. I had everything maxed out. Uh, I, I platinum the game. So yeah, I did all the things, um, you know, but um, yeah, everybody was at wow. level 99. That's it, a lot of like metal slime farming. Um, oh, okay. So uh, Mike, the pixel or well, it's blaze night. 
on uh, Twitter said, uh, he asked, how fleshed out uh, is the 2D mode in the game? Uh, and I wish I would have asked this while Wes was still on because Wes primarily played the Switch version on 2D mode and he could probably speak to this more authoritatively. But I answered on Twitter and I said, like, you know, the bits that I played in, in 2D were fine. It, it, it's a really charming pixel art style. If you do the Takatin side quests, you, you play in 2D. Um, the the entirety of the that is in sort of a 2D like sort of 16 bit style, uh, and it looks great. It it it's a lot of fun, and it's very standard fare at that point in time. It is basically you could sort of slide it in to any of the Super Nintendo era sort of Dragon Warrior, Dragon Quest titles. Mm-hmm. So, um, gotcha. the 2D yeah, mode I, is is good. Um, yeah, I, I've heard that they do kind of trim down the content, though, so you run through it quicker. It's not well, as... it's just it's because you're not traversing it in 3D space. The content's oh, okay. still there. Okay, that's it. It's just it's not. You, they don't you cut know, down I, on on uh, dialogue or anything. I don't think so. I think it's just basically okay. the map, sort of, because it's being reduced down to like 16 bits, like a mm-hmm. sort of almost like a grid based sort of thing. It just sort of makes a lot of that. Like the the okay. wandering off that you could do is sort of reined in. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. I I do wish you could switch between that on the fly, but you know, it's not the case. That would have been nice. Yeah, yeah. The 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 way that you had to like go to a save point or a, a church and then do it that that was a little weird. Well, basically, what that was is that they had to you had to save your game. They had to translate that into a 2D file. So like it was basically launching the other version of the game it, right. when I was doing, I did a little bit of reading about that. And so it's like, you're basically, they would have to, in order to do that, you'd have to run the game, the two games side by side, which you know, on the, 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 the series X and S and the PS five, I don't think that would be much of a problem. Um, but and it's not a super intensive game as far as like what it does in Unreal 4. But I think basically running two games side by side so that you could sort of like swap it in and out. Because it is a pretty massive overhaul. Again, sort of even talking about like the distance on the maps. Like the distance you cover sort of in between uh, cities and stuff. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, it would have been way cooler. It's like, I agree with you. Dorian, 100%. would have been way cooler if they had done that. It's kind of like, you want to look at him and say, yeah, but you would have been cooler if you did. <laughs> um, so sort of moving on, let's move to, on to some of the, the Discord comments. And, and, and we, like I said, we, we tried to get John uh, on here. And uh, I was I was actually really hoping he'd be able to join us, and and so I didn't prepare quite as as thoroughly as I should have, even though I knew in <laughs> advance he wasn't going to be able to. Um, but let's I'll sort of run through his uh, what he's he's written here. So Dragon Quest Eleven is extremely well designed and approachable um, on so many levels, and I think like in a lot of ways, like this is a great Dorian. Like you said, you don't have a ton of experience with Dragon Quest prior to this. And so this was your first one. Uh, and I think it's actually a really great jumping on point. Um, and I think John is sort of echoing this. It's like it does a, a pretty good job of onboarding you. Um, 
Hey, J- John writes here, it's the perfect entry-level JRPG on its base difficulty. It's very forgiving, but structured, um, or it has a very forgiving, but structured difficulty curve. The gameplay gives a lot of flexibility on builds. Um, and then it, it's also interesting how the bosses don't necessarily get harder for the sake of being hard, but rather they get harder to keep up with your party. It's all about action economy. Um, the game is hardest when you're by yourself. So when you get one action per turn and then you often end up fighting small mobs of two or three again. So the, the action ratio is one to two or one to three. He's like, but then you get Eric. So it becomes, it comes out to two actions per turn. At the same time, you are more likely to fight against the groups of three. So the action economy becomes two to three. Bosses at that point also come in groups of two and they attack once. So both sides uh, end up taking two actions per turn, which is balanced. Even hard early bosses are balanced around the action economy. Uh, Dragon, the boss before Veronica, is four on four fight with everyone getting a single turn. The Slayer of the Sands is a five on one fight with Sylvando, the Slayer, getting two turns. Dora and Gray is a four-on-one fight with two reserves, uh, with Dora getting two turns. Oftentimes, it feels like bosses are getting multiple actions unfair, but it's actually fair for them. Which, now that he's breaking down like the mechanics and the statistics behind it, which is way more thought than I would have put into it, but it makes it... <laughs> um, yeah, it, when he puts it that way, it's like, well, yeah... The, I, I don't like it, but yes, you're right. Um, mm-hmm. uh, especially since many bosses are on a set AI script, either a strict one or a loose one. Uh, so bosses often end up being about controlling the action economy and neutralizing the hard hits. Uh, and he, he goes on to say, because and we, we alluded to it, but he did a full draconian run. And, he said, and that's how he got through the draconian run. He's like, you end up learning what you can tank versus what you should avoid. So you build your party around that. With that in mind, the character mm-hmm. builder is fantastic. He loves how the builder itself is connected to character development, but how you can also respect practically at any point in time. Yeah, so there, there, there's the character building tree. And again, it's, it's pretty basic. All in all, it's kind of a standard fair skill tree within JRPGs. Um, but it does really, it is really well done. You know, it's. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I never respect through my playthrough. So I, I guess I didn't play with it too much. You know, it just, it felt good. And I don't know that we've said it on this episode, but I know I've said it in the past is that I was a, a bit surprised. This, this is probably the easiest dragon quest game that i've ever played um of course i haven't played the third act so that might get like stupid hard at times i'm sure it does um it can it can um well i think too like that's it's because like this game does feel pretty forgiving and uh Mm -hmm. dorian i I, i'd love to sort of like hear you sort of weigh in on on this uh just because like you, you said this was your first dragon quest like as far as the accessibility and sort of mechanics of the game, what, 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 I guess sort of like everything that I've read from John so far, you know, sort of as being a great entry level JRPG, but I also think it's just a great entry into the Dragon Quest series because on a lot of ways it is super accessible and you can sort of like, you can turn up the difficulty with the draconian challenges. Um, but what, what, what do you think in sort of regards to some of this, Dorian? Uh, mechanically, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, I knew it was, you know, it's a JRPG and 
you can kind of so it's not it's not like my first JRPG, obviously, but it is my first foray into Dragon Quest. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of things that you know are traditional that you can see, like oh, okay, yeah, I, you know, I see that you know kind of basic turn turn based battles, even though it's in a three D space where a lot of uh, RPGs nowadays are going more action uh, mm-hmm. based. Um, you know, and I can appreciate uh, they kept some of the, uh, I guess, eight bit sound effects, if you will. Like you know, when you win, like, you know, when you win a battle, yep. that's that. You know, it's like okay, I haven't played any of the old Dragon Quest games, but I can tell that's kind of like a, you know, an old eight bit sound. But anyway, um, yeah, yep. yeah. So you know, just with traditional uh, JRPG story beats, uh, you know, standard affairs, side of the protagonists, you know, what have you. Um, you know, the game wasn't incredibly difficult, I don't think. Uh, there were a few parts that were difficult, just, uh, I think, and it's like later in the game, to be honest. Uh, mm-hmm. I did struggle with, uh, at first, I struggled with, uh, with the Mortigan. Um, I had to because because a lot a lot of you know the battles I kind of put into auto battle like later mm-hmm. on in the game speed yep. you know, and uh, I kept losing until I changed around a few things and then great nice they defeated him for me so <laughs> 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 um but uh but I, I even in that it was an element of strategy like okay mm-hmm. this keeps happening and I keep losing I need to put this character here, change out a few things, you know, and so forth, and then see how it plays out. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess all in all, it is, uh, you know, it's not, it's not the most difficult game in the world. You know, I, I got into this game for the story, uh, you know, just to enjoy like a good JRPG, enjoy the presentation and everything. Um, yeah, good time. Good time. Long time. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. you, if you buy this game, you'll definitely get your money's worth. I mean, I like yeah. it so much. I yeah. bought it for on sale for fifteen bucks on Black Friday. Oh, nice! Even though, even though I've been playing it on Game Pass, I'm just like if it ever goes away, I have the disc. Um, yep. So, uh, nice. yeah, yeah, but cool RPG, especially. I'm, I'm trying to get my wife to start playing RPGs. I, I probably okay. won't start it with this one. You know, <laughs> It's a story you get to read. It's not reaction based. It's strategy based. So it's mm-hmm. gonna, it's mm-hmm. yeah, good time. Nice, nice. Yeah, the total, the uh, the opposite end from uh, you know one hundred percenting Ori in the Blind Forest. <laughs> well, I, I was gonna say if she can one hundred percent Ori in the Blind Forest, she could probably you know. I think like the the biggest difference there is just like you gotta you gotta put in the reps in a different way with Dragon Quest. Like you just got to be willing to like sit through all of it. That's in a lot of ways because it, a lot of it, yeah, you can just like you mentioned like the auto fight, like the, the auto battle. Mm-hmm. I auto battled through most of the game. I mean, mm-hmm. hero hero on two handed swords is offensively just a monster. Yes. Uh, I mean, great sword. Yeah. I use that too. Yeah. Yeah. And you just, I 
never took him off of it. <laughs> really, no, that's not mm-hmm. true. I at the, the very end, um, you can you, there's an it's not really an exploit, but you can so you end up reforging the sword of light. But then there's a way to so you can basically have two swords of light. And I had him dual well oh. the swords of light, um, the swords mm-hmm. of light. Um, well, a quick question on the mechanics tip: How did, I'm pretty sure you did, Nate, because you flattened the game. But uh, mm-hmm. Josh, did you? How much did you use the uh, the the forge or whatever it's called? You know, where you um, yeah, was, the fun size forge, I, the fun size forge. Yeah, there you I, go. I barely used that. Oh really? No, I I use it fairly often whenever I would get some new stuff. Cause so just because I do play a lot of JRPGs and in actually it's really the older ones that kind of instilled this in me is I do tend to if I'm not searching like all of the map I'm at least like pushing up against areas where I think secrets will be. Right. And so like I was constantly reading all the books and stuff like and and a lot of them I didn't like actually read. I just wanted to see if I got anything from it, like an item or I learned how to create stuff or something like that. Um so whenever I would accumulate a number of new um a, a new you know ability to forge things, then I would go into the forge and mess around with it for a while. And so I was getting a good probably like 60% of my armor from the forge rather than from the towns. Um, so I did use, use it primarily for, for armor, uh, a, a little bit of weapons too, but weapons mostly came from the shop. Um, but it wasn't, I didn't use it for a ton of things, but I would dip in and see if I could make anything better than what I currently had equipped. So, so I, well, I did use it. Often. If you can, if you basically craft the weapon at, at the plus three version, usually, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. it is a better version of anything you can buy. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I was frequently doing that. Um, yeah, nice. like honestly, I crafted way more than I bought. Um, okay, because. And when I would buy items, I would go and retool them until they were a plus three, because most of the time, gotcha. when you they're, they're if you keep up with the books, and again, you do like the plus three crafting and recrafting and all that stuff, you, the the gear sort of outpaces a lot of what you can buy most of the time. So nice the gear that you can make. So yeah, I don't think I don't think you have to make everything for the the trophy i don't know what the achievements are like i would imagine they're comparable um but you have to make a lot of items a lot of different items Hmm. so that's the other thing gotcha but yeah and and in order to unlock the best possible weapons for everybody you actually have to find some books and do some crafting Mm -hmm. um um, yeah i i mean and i think that goes back to sort of math man's comments about like the the crafting system in this game was actually pretty good it was better than i mean there was a crafting system in dragon quest 8 um but one it's been like i don't know 15 years since i played that uh in in, in its entirety so uh yeah I, I i don't remember it being especially awesome 
you know, just sort of closing thoughts. Uh, I, I guess this, this game is massive. It's like 130 hours for, for completion and there's so much to do. And it, it really is, is a pretty compelling game. I like, and maybe it just sort of speaks to like the Seneca in me, but I would say like to, to somebody who is, is picking this up and playing it. Like if you want the happy ending, if you want to see like evil really get vanquished, yeah, you're going to need to do a third playthrough. But if you're okay with a little bit of bitter, bittersweet, the first two acts are going to, they're going to treat you just fine. Um, you know, playing through and just rolling credits is, is going to feel like a pretty satisfying, although, like I said, it's a yeah. little bittersweet um, kind of story. Um, and, and, like I said, I've I've got a, a fairly a fairly robust history, and again, I haven't played to completion. Like Wes has probably got more Dragon Quests under his belt than I do, um, and not probably he does have more Dragon Quests sort of knocked out than I do. But Dragon Quest Eleven is like it's my favorite because I think it takes strengths from everything and and really just delivers one one banger of a package. But uh, mm-hmm. D- Dorian, sort of what, like, any, any sort of closing thoughts on the game? Anything that you wanted to sort of share and that we didn't work our way around to? The music. Um, I thought the music was fantastic. Wow. Started to be like you. I can't talk. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, uh, all the orchestrated music. I'll be honest, I switched it over to MIDI and I thought it was terrible. Okay. Probably because I had been so used to listening to the uh to the orchestrated soundtrack. Yeah. Uh and then part of me actually thought like, how old is this game? Mm-hmm. It came out on PS what, PS4 the first time, yeah. right? Yep. I'm like, why are they why are they using MIDI tracks? I mean, mm-hmm. Skyward a game like Skyward Sword on the Wii had fully orchestrated music, so that threw me off a little bit. On my side, yeah. Uh, I thought this was a PS4 game, but okay, whatever. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah. Um, no, this it, it, this game is definitely a uh, if you're an, an RPG fan, especially a JRPG fan, definitely play. Um, mm-hmm. You will. You won't be hurting for content, that's for sure. <laughs> um, and I recommend anybody who's into any sort of RPG, just, I mean, pick up the game, play it. It's on Game Pass, it's on, it's on PS, mm. PS4, 3DS. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to Dragon Quest Twelve. So. Mm. Yeah, yeah. How about you, Josh? Any any sort of like closing thoughts as we sort of wind down? Anything that you wanted to mention that we that I neglected to bring up? I don't I don't know that it's anything new. It just it, the the game is done so well, and I feel I feel like I've said it multiple times already. But just the way it does take you to some places that that are unexpected, and it it stays well written even in those moments you know in that um transition from act one to act two and like the world goes to pot you know uh, because there's this dark ruler over everything now and people are like dying all over the place and it's hard to live 
and people are really like dour and and don't care for each other because they're just focusing on surviving like you see what that does to your party and some like some party members frankly are are more like you would expect from a jrpg where they just fight against that and they're like no we're gonna make the world a better place but then some of them like you see how it affects them how ragged they are because of it you know so so i do think that it's there's some good writing here that's more than just kind of your standard what you would imagine like a fantasy adventure to be like here's the here's the low point but then it just goes right back up um it, it culminating with i think what you talked about earlier nate um in the death of veronica like that that i agree that part did hit me because i did i did not expect them to do that because uh yeah she was she was kind of the loud mouth you know it's, it's like you would th- you would think Serena would be the one to die because she's more quiet, more reserved. But like she's she seems more noble. You know what I mean? Like she seems more like stand up. Where where Veronica Veronica's got some hard edge to her. But um, the fact that she was the one that she was like, no, like I really care for these people. I care for this world, and I'm willing to like sacrifice myself in order to to make things right. Um, was really impactful i thought uh, so um uh, yeah a lot of standout moments we talked about hendrick so i think because of those really like those moments of writing we kind of passively mentioned I, I i don't think i love how toriyama's art looks in this unreal engine 4 i think it looks fantastic um so it looks good. It feels good. It's well written for the most part. Um, you know, there's some tropes in there as well that y- you kind of gloss over. Yes, Silvando wasn't my favorite, but he was he was endearing at points for sure. Um, so I didn't I didn't dislike him as much as I thought I would. I'll say that. Yeah, um, I think that's 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 actually now that we're, we've sort of talked about it a little bit. I think that's where I end up landing with him, where it's like. It, the, my initial sort of like rub on him is like, ah, I don't really care. Um, but mm-hmm. he has enough sort of like redeeming moments where I'm like, hey, you know what? Like, I don't hate him, but right. I do. Th- I do think he's the weakest character. I think like that. I think. Yeah, it's a great cast. Yeah. But like, right. He, he, right. He just feels like and I know that maybe that's just like when you have Silvando versus like Henrik, I'm like, like, please. Like one yeah. of those dudes is a G um, mm-hmm. and it's not Silvando. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, but, and again, he, but he's got his own charms. And I think like his arc with his yeah. dad is really like, you know, we, you know, you brought that up Dorian, but like his arc with his dad is really sweet. The reconciliation. And it's really, yeah. it's really a kind of a tender moment where I think honestly, like, it's like kind of one of those, I think sort of what you guys are both maybe, or sort of, but like, I think one of the things that in talking about the writing is because even though this is a story and there's all these little vignettes, it tells us truths about life. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. all three of us are sons. Like, and how many times have we sort of had that moment with our father? Like where it's like, have I disappointed you? Like, and you know, maybe like Silvano's dad was not perfect, but like, you know, I, I did love the challenge. He sort of like threw down. He's like, you left home and you said you were going to make the world smile. Have you done it yet? 
And like, you know, he's got like a little bit of an edge to him. He's like, you know, he's like a man's man kind of dude. And like, mm-hmm. but like, he's like sort of holding his, his son's feet to the fire and saying like, you said you were going to do this thing. Now go do it. Like, mm-hmm. I believe in you go do it. Um, and I think like, you know, we, there we've all sort of like that. That's the thing that's like sweet about, that's the thing that's really cool about Silvando's story. I think, and just like with Henrik, like there have been times probably in each one of our lives where we have done wrong in the pursuit of good. Like we've been trying, mm-hmm. we, like we oh, yeah. think we're oh, yeah. on the, the, the path of righteousness. And then when we look back and we see the train wreck and like, it's so easy to fall into despair. And this is why I love Henrik more than most characters is because like, you know, but he's like, no, like I'm like, I'm going to press on. And, and, Briefly, he's he's sort of like he he sort of stands in for the hero, you know, and in, in, in that sort of the beginning, that second act where like he is yeah. he is really like the protector of the the survivals the sur- the the survivors at Cobblestone, and so then yeah. just even with like you know looking at all the like you know Rab's willingness to sort of like basically basically sacrifice himself. You know, sort of like put everything on the line at just for a chance to sort of like fight the darkness. You know, he's like, mm-hmm. he goes to the mountaintop and like he goes into his like dream trance thing, you know, and like, you know, he, he sheds all that weight, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. it's like really dope, really weird looking. Um, and and I, even like and that's kind of why I do get angry about Jade's vignette is because like I feel like hers is just like adding insult to injury where it's like I mean I guess we've all been duped at times you know or we've been forced into situations that compromise us but I don't know I think that's part of like you know is the the writing perfect no but it's it's good mm-hmm. it's I'd say it's above average you know it's oh yeah it's very good. Yeah. I think it's 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 a well-paced, well-executed like I'm I'm not going to lie towards the very end of my time with it, like the 130 hours I spent. I was pretty tired. Like I was kind of like yeah. I was I was ready to be done. Like the Uber boss, I cheesed the Uber boss battle because I was like I'm not going to worry about being like tactically savvy. There's like an ultimate like one of the pet power moves that you can use. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I love, I love this game and I've like, Mm -hmm. as much as I enjoyed talking about with you guys, sometimes I feel like we probably could have talked for like five and a half hours. I think we're pushing three and a half at this point. So it, it, it is just time to sort of like wrap it up. Uh, what I would recommend to any listeners who have still made it to this point, um, if you're still listening, if you're really interested in sort of a, 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 I think a pretty solid deep dive and exploration of this, I would go check out Into the Aethers. And I, I know I've mentioned them a couple of times, but they do a deep dive on Dragon Quest Eleven that I think is really very good. Um, I think I, I, actually as a general nice. rule, the, that podcast deep dives, like when they drill down on a particular game they're they're very good um so but uh that being said i think it's time to start really just landing the plane dorian i wanted to thank you um for joining us wanted to shout out wes for giving us some of his time also Mm -hmm. wanted to shout out john um like i said our buddy john who you know i think he wanted to be here but you know just because uh he got a baby 
and and uh, he said he gets a little he he probably would have been like super excited in talking about this and might have woke that baby up so um you know yeah. that's pretty important that, that's a pretty important that's a that's a a pretty good call there, but, uh, and I wanted to <laughs> thank everybody who sort of, you know, wrote in and had, you know, weighed in in one way, shape or form on some of this. Uh, uh, but Dorian, before we go, I mean, you're not really on social media, but you are in our discord. Um, right. That is correct. So if people want to get a hold of you, they need to come to our discord. Yes. I'm the, I am there, uh, under, DPT, D A S S M E N T, DPT basement. Um, yeah, so I'll be on, I'm on Discord, uh, you know, every so often. Um, and of course, under the same name, you can find me on uh, PSN or Xbox. Sweet. Outstanding. Nice. Josh, where can they find us? Yeah, if if you guys want to, you know, inform us how wrong we are about Silvando, uh, there's tons of ways that you can reach out. Our email address is the backlog breakdown at gmail.com. Uh, on Twitter, our handle is at bbdowncast. We do have an Instagram. Uh, it's just the backlog breakdown. And then a link for the Discord will be in the description. And then finally, we have our Facebook group, the hashtag backlog book club on Facebook and on the internet. Uh, if you want to get a little bit more personal, I generally go by Broccolope and Nate goes by Nate underscore McKeever. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Well, I think, you know, whether we have done, um, right by dragon quest 11 is a question for other people to sort of answer, but I, I feel like mm. we have done as much as we can tonight, gentlemen. Um, and again, you know, uh, dear listener, if you're, you are still listening at this point in time, well then, uh, I, I think it's, it's fair to say there's only one thing remains and, and Josh, that is until next time, what should they do? Guys, keep beating down your backlogs and we'll keep breaking down the benefits. Yeah, sounds right. <laughs>